And I get it. Everybody say, well, Magic never missed the playoffs. Well, Magic never played with less than three Hall of Famers. Bird never missed the playoffs. He never played with less than four Hall of Famers. But I was against them trading for Bradley Beal during the season. He's an excellent player because it would have prevented them from having maximum cap space this summer. Because it's difficult. It's a mental drain to play these regular season games when you know it's all about May and June. Chris Broussard here, and welcome to the brand new Hoops on Fox podcast. This podcast will give you your daily dose of all things NBA from Fox Sports, including the best content from Skip and Shannon, Nick Wright, plus special guests, fresh NBA content from myself, post-game interviews from NBA stars around the league, and much, much more. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a five-star review. Up first, Chris Broussard joins Nick and CeCe to explain who's really in control of the Lakers. This Warriors team has a number of nights like they had last night, maybe not as bad, and we just keep saying, okay, they had it, they'll be fine. It's the Warriors. They're fine, no worries, they're fine. But I don't know, Steve Curry made a few comments there that they have a couple things that they do need to address and they do need to correct. Are you buying that the Warriors have actual flaws on this team? Well, it's actually it's funny because Steph, you you saw that underlying smile and smirk where he's not he's not too concerned. I don't think I'm not concerned. They're still the heavy favorite, my pick. It is a reason only three teams have three-peated in the last 52 years. Jordan's Bulls twice mm-hmm. and Shaq, Kobe, Lakers. Because it's difficult. It's a mental drain to play these regular season games when you know it's all about May and June, even June for you. And there's a reason no team's been to five straight finals. Right. Since Russell Celtics. LeBron right. went to eight straight, but he got different teams. Different teams. So we were talking about Steph. Clay, Draymond, Iggy, try, I know Durant's new, yeah. but those four guys trying to do this for a fifth straight 100-game season. It's a challenge. If you look at Jordan's Bulls, the two that three-peated, the third season, their regular season record was always the worst. Mm-hmm. So it, it happens. That said, they do have – there are some concerns I have about this team. I think this is the most vulnerable they've been since Kevin Durant got there. And here's a few things. Boogie. Now, when you look at DeMarcus Cousins, the eye test – He's running the floor. He's sharing the ball. He's moving okay for him. It looks fine with the eye test. And when you look at the conventional numbers, 15 points, eight rebounds, a team high in 25 minutes, you think, okay, Boogie's fitting in. You look deeper into the numbers. Defensively, when Boogie is on the floor, Mm -hmm. they are one of the worst teams in the league. Their, their defensive rating is like 107.7. Mm-hmm. That's, that's mediocre. When he's – I'm sorry, 108.6. Yeah, which is even worse. Right. When he's not on the floor, their defensive rating is better. Offensively, when he's not on the floor, they play at a historic level offensively. And when he's there, they're more like a mediocre team. Their net rating is nine points better when he's well, off the floor. And it goes deeper than that. So when they're all NBA – lineups out there all that five guys five that start mm-hmm. they are the clay kd steph boogie and draymond they have a negative net rating they're being outscored by their opponents when those five are out there when the four are out there without boogie, without boogie they're beating opponents by 12 points per 100 possessions that's a problem it's a that's Kerr a pro- is going to have to make the tough decision because you know they see it you know they have these numbers look before boogie got there you Steph was the only weak link defensively. And teams would try to target him, get him in pick and roll, but you could protect him. Now you have two guys you can go at if you're an offense mm-hmm. in Boogie and Steph, and that's made them vulnerable. The, the one thing that was a calming force for me 
the guy doing the interview. Man. Right. I mean, I've been I'm I've been you. watching guys complain, make <laughs> excuses. Man, I hate this. Man, I the media, y'all did this to me. Steph Curry, bro, he's the common force to in the NBA right now. KD is unstoppable. He is a matchup nightmare. But Steph Curry sat there like a grown man right. in his uniform. The leader. Yes. The way you want your leader to be able to talk because ultimately he can't make excuses. And he said it in these last 16 years. We're going to have to show some people because this is new to them too, having Boogie. Now, these guys have made all these sacrifices, sacrifices, and sacrifices. Nick, you mentioned something to me last season when, they were, when everyone was upset about Boogie signing with the Golden State. He's like, they can't get better offensively. Right. It's impossible. Right. They, they, were, they had the greatest <laughs> offense in NBA history last year. So, like, yeah. you, you, at some point, you reach a point of diminishing returns. Like, your offense is not going to be more efficient. So this was I the reason that the boogie acquisition in my eyes was a good one for them and a no-brainer was it removed the injury component to a degree. Last year when they went through this late season swoon, it was because Steph was out. There was time when KD yep. KD missed a little bit of time, Clay missed some and if you if during a playoff series you're missing one of those guys, well now then all of a sudden feature right. boogie. Last year we sat down and talked and we said, "Okay, how are they going to not Repeat. Right. Like what would have to happen in the NBA? And Nick said, man, that's like an insurance policy. It's an in, it, it, and as an insurance policy, it might be a good one. But as an insurance policy that you're having to actively use when you don't actually need it yet, you're seeing the negative aspects of it. And so, like, that is because the point that was made to me that we talked about was if the offense can't get better and he's not going to help your defense, then how does he make you better? Yeah. It's not like he is some calming locker room force. But this isn't – I think your point on Steph is a very important one because we didn't play it, but KD's postgame interview couldn't have been more different. KD, the media asked him about uh, – Steve Kerr said we got to play with more anger. Right. And KD's like, oh, I thought we were based on joy. Because like, Kerr's been saying that all right. season. And, and so, joy, right. And, and, and KD is <laughs> – Irritable. You know what I mean? Yeah. And KD didn't play well. They were without Clay. Right. KD didn't have a yeah. good game. Yeah. And and but the other concern for me is Boogie notwithstanding. Last year, people are gonna say, okay, last year they ripped off 10 of 11, and then they went on a three and seven stretch. But Steph wasn't there. Right. We haven't mm -hmm. seen this team not play well with Steph on the court. They won 16 of 17. Since then they're three and five. And Steph's been playing. Like, the, the invincible part of this team for four-plus years has been, do we have Steph, do we not have right. Steph? They won games without Durant. I understand Clay wasn't out mm -hmm. there last night and hurt their shooting, and it really hurt their defense. But it's odd to see them struggle when Steph's been healthy. If there's one thing that if I was to say I would be concerned about, that's their home record. I mean, their home record is not like any other team that we've seen. Right now, I think there's nine other teams in the league that have at least the same home record as them or a better home record than them. And they have been dominant. Oracle has been a special place. And this being the last year that they're going to play there, that would be something that I would be more concerned about, the number of losses they have at home. The other thing with, uh, with you mentioned Steph. 
Steph is like their Tim Duncan. I've been saying this for years mm, okay. since this, this run began with them. Different personalities, but Duncan set the tone in the whole organization. So when you came into the Spurs, everybody bought in because Duncan set that tone. It's the same thing with Steph. He brings that, like Kerr talks about, that joy. Steph, even though Draymond's been the inspirational leader, I guess, and all that, Steph has set the tone for that whole franchise. And Draymond is interesting, too. Because we know he's always been one of the best defenders since this run began. His defense has steadily declined since 2015, and now it's at an all-time low for him. He's still a good defender, mm-hmm. but he's not he's the defensive with the bad player. Injury. Yeah, his body is starting to break down Which a little bit on him. Which is a big and, concern for them when it comes to right. contract stuff. He just signed with Clutch, and I'm not saying because he wants to go play with LeBron, because right. I don't think that's why. I think it's because they will hold he you to, to the fire. Money. And if he was, in my mind, I know Kawhi won a couple of the Defensive Player of the Year awards. I think Draymond had a three-year stretch where he should have won all three. I thought Draymond was the best defender in the league, bar none. When he is just a very good defender, then his value proposition changes enormously because his shooting's at an all-time low because of these Mm -hmm. these other potential issues. Now, Steven Jackson sits with Skip and Shannon to explain why LeBron missing the playoffs doesn't tarnish his legacy. You first, how would missing the playoffs affect LeBron's legacy? It wouldn't affect it at all to me. I mean, a little? No. Um, I love how we do everything we possibly can to excuse Jordan not making the playoff in his final two years. And I get it. Everybody say, well, Magic never missed the playoffs. Well, Magic never played with less than three Hall of Famers. Bird never missed the playoffs. He never played with less than four Hall of Famers. Tell me the guy, tell me the guy on the roster currently that's going to be all NBA moving forward. Tell me the guy that's on the roster right now that's going to be in the Hall of Fame. And I just wait. Oh, yeah, that many. Not... Look, I get it. On which roster? On the Lakers, Lakers roster. Right now? Right now. Rondo. Rondo, Rondo. I was going to say Rondo. You think Rondo yeah. will go to the Hall of Fame? Possibly. Yeah. If you see the people, some people that's in the Hall of Fame, yeah. they definitely deserve it. <laughs> but when those guys were playing hey, with... Those kids, who knows what they might do. Just the Ta- they might it's take early. off. Let me it's ask early. you a question. It's early. What can I do you? Where would you rate Kareem? If you, but if, what, what do you say, Kareem? You think Kareem is okay? Yeah. You think Kareem okay? Three. Top three to me. Top three. Guess who? He, guess, guess, guess who? Guess who played? Who he played with? Magic. Cause, so you can understand why they would make James Worthy. Is he in the Hall of Fame? Hmm. What about McAdoo? Hmm. What about Mikael, Parrish, Dennis Johnson, Bailey. Nate Archibald, Bailey. Bill Walton? Come on, Skip Bailey. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. You, I didn't say a word yet. I haven't even spoken. <laughs> because the fact, because, because, can you name one player Michael played with at Washington? Exactly. No, not no, one. Not, not one. one. But I can name old Scotty Pippen and Dennis Rodman. You know Dennis Rodman led the league in rebounding all three years he was in Chicago? And your point is? The point is he had Hall of Famers. And okay. when he didn't have a Hall of Famer, guess where he was? He was 38 and 39. He had been off for three years. He'd been gone from basketball. And even at that, even at that age, he still wasn't in year 16. That was year 13, year 14. LeBron James is in year 16 with eight straight finals on his resume, a sprinkling a couple of Olympics, mm. and da-da, here we are. Still mm. giving you 27, mm. 8, and 8. Can and I answer you? you I, I'm glad you yawned because those are roll-out-of-bed numbers for LeBron. Right. That's what he does. He just rolls. He yawns and rolls out of bed, and he goes 27, 8, and am 8. I su- am I surprised they're not in the playoffs? I thought the Lakers would be better. I really thought the Lakers would be better. But then the injury bug started. It hit him. It hit Rondo. It hit Lonzo. And now Kuzma. And now Ingram. And now Stevenson. And now mm-hmm. Chandler. So, yeah, come on. But when we look at a stack, this is not a really good team now. Not a good team at all. And, you know, people shouldn't be upset that they didn't make the playoffs. I mean, 
I think if anybody had a rude awakening, it's LeBron, because everybody was telling him the Western Conference is a different monster. Mm -hmm. Now, experience is the best teacher, and right. he's saying it's a different monster. But at the same time, guys that know the game, we knew it was a possibility that they'll be in this situation, mm -hmm. you know, with the young team they right. have. But I'm going to say this, and I'm going to leave it alone. Keep that same energy, because the Lakers won't be the same team next year. Mm. Okay. Keep it. So, does it taint his legacy that he missed Not the playoffs? Well, obviously, Kobe did miss the playoffs the year after Shaq was run out of town by Kobe, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Okay. So, let's look at Kobe's teammates. In that year, they missed the playoffs. They went uh, 34 and 48. Right. Mm -hmm. Not good. Right. Okay. Karan Butler was the second scorer. Lamar Odom was on that team, third scorer. You remember the immortal Chucky Atkins, Chris Mim, Jermaine Jones, Devin George. That's what you got to work with. Mm -hmm. Not a great team. Mm -hmm. A team that I would have looked at before the year and said, I don't know. That's that's in the West. They'll play hard, but yep. yeah. I'm not sure about that. Then they bounced back, and they did make the playoffs the next two years, but they went out quickly and unceremoniously to the Phoenix Suns in the first round. What? You, know? you better tell me Kobe lost in the first round? Yeah, and he had one pout game where he just... It, it, we didn't shoot the ball? Yeah, people were all over him. He so he had a lot. So he said, ah, today I'm not going to So shoot. you know what, Stacks? He had a lot in common mm. with Michael Jordan. Because mm. you know Michael Jordan went out in the first round. Mm. He went out in the first round. Mm. Went the old bad but big, the big three. Wawa, get up mm. out of here. <laughs> Wawa, get up out of here. Are you talking about the same guy who went 6-0 and in the finals with six MVPs in I, the finals? Hold on. He can't be. He can't uh. be. Oh, yes, I'm talking about oh, him. I'm guy? talking about the one that the bad boy Pistons. Uh. The bad boy Pistons had him back there crying. You know had Scotty Pippen talking about he got a migraine. They want to see Robin in my horn. <laughs> huh? I think they're turning down your lights. <laughs> yeah. They're silencing you. Yeah. What God you. said, turn the lights off. <laughs> Talk about that, Skip. Yep. Talk about that. How the bad boy Pistons yeah. put him on. His, put him over his knee for three years. Wop, wop, wop. Now come back next year with a little more firepower. Wop, wop, wop. Hmm. Interesting. Did it happen? You was covering the team. I want to know, Skip Bayless. Tell the truth now. So the only oh, way man. this taints LeBron's legacy is it just completely undercuts and disqualifies your argument that he's greater than Michael Jordan. That's all it does. Because at age 34, which is LeBron's age right now, Michael Jordan won another scoring title and was first-team all-defense at age 34, and obviously they went on to win another championship, their sixth, and another finals MVP is sixth. Skip, okay, we got to stop, Shad, we got to stop. But here's the thing. That's 34 to 34. But here's the thing. He, Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen led the team in assists all those years. Someone else led the team in rebounding all those years. Jordan didn't have to worry about all these other things that LeBron did. But I still want to know why. Washington, he went to the Wizards. Why does that not have an impact on his legacy? He was still Michael Jordan. That's what you tell me. He the GOAT. Now, the GOAT's supposed to drag anything. GOAT's eat anything. Mm. So why couldn't he get it there? But this old bighorn sheep, watch what he be doing in year. In, in year. And think about Hold on, Skip. You keep telling me when he was in Washington, that was year 13 and 14. LeBron James is in year 16. Mm -hmm. LeBron James, year 13 and 14, age, NBA age, Finals. Age 38 and 39 in Washington. What got to do with anything if he's right. the guy that you said he is? But what is what what player that's the face of the league won MVP and defensive player? Mm. That is it. Do you know right. that's, But that's that's hard to do, Shannon. LeBron James should have won the deep. Should have won. Uh, he got to play defense first. 
The year Mark Gasol won it, you know LeBron's supposed to have a goddamn award stacks. Right? Man, no. Did LeBron not bring this year upon himself? Because we still hear that he was the one who wanted playmakers, not shooters. I don't right? know what LeBron, LeBron right? out of his mind. Okay, he was out of his mind, but that's what he wanted. He Give him a Rondo, give him a Lance. No. Who else can make plays? Skip. I don't know. If you look at LeBron James' career, LeBron James yeah. has really played with two pay playmakers. Mm -hmm. That's Kyrie Irving mm -hmm. and, and uh, Dwayne Wade. Mm -hmm. And even when he had those guys, what was he surrounded with? Shooters. Yeah. Okay. So now all of a sudden you will get year 16 and talk about you don't want shooters, you want playmakers? Okay. What, what, okay, where are they? Where are the playmakers? Okay. So, I don't know. They're, they're <laughs> he told me he wanted playmakers. Yeah, Michael Rondo, Beasley's in China, I think, right? I talked oh, to him dude. yesterday. Did oh, yeah? you really? Yeah, yeah. Is he all right? Yeah, he's doing good. Good. Doing good. Shout, out doing good. Shout out to Michael Beasley. I love Michael Beasley. I mean, what okay. a playmaker, Skip. Okay, so a year ago, uh, not even a year ago, but in the offseason, LeBron had chances. He could have gone to Philly and joined forces with that team. Great things would have happened. He could have gone to Houston, joined forces with that team. Great things would have happened. Mm -hmm. He joined forces with Hollywood. He wanted Hollywood, and he got Hollywood. And, and I was shocked the day it happened because I said, he's going to do this without a, a bona fide co-star, yeah. like a yeah. second score? Sure. Like, really? You're going to do that? Mm -hmm. Well, I guess he's going to do that. And then he brought some of this on himself because, obviously, at the trade deadline, he and Rich Paul attempted to power play their way into Anthony Davis. And they were willing to trade all the kids, all the clean out the locker room, all the kids. Yeah. And, and it just detonated that locker room. It, it never they was the same. It. They couldn't yeah. handle it. Yeah. Following, JaVale McGee joins Christine Leahy to break down his unique journey in becoming an NBA champion. Welcome to Fair Game. I'm Christine Leahy, and my guest today was a two-time NBA champion with the Golden State Warriors and is partly responsible for bringing back the fanny pack from the Los Angeles Lakers. JaVale McGee is here. I got to say, I am shocked that you're not wearing a fanny pack. I don't know that I've seen you off the court without one. What is it you love so much about the fanny pack? First of all, to answer your statement, I'm not wearing my fanny pack because I left it in the car. So oh, my bad. I have it. Okay. Um, Do you you want to go get it? or no, you guys? Okay. I think I'll be okay. Okay. There's a lot of father and son duos that have played in the NBA, the Berries, the Currys, the Waltons. You are the first NBA player whose mother played in the WNBA. And I love your story because I just have this image of you in a bassinet always surrounded by WNBA players with your mom. Do you still have lots of memories of those times when you were growing up like that? Um, yeah, I definitely have a lot of memories of, uh, of course, I don't have the memories of being in a stroller. I don't think anybody, anybody's memory goes <laughs> back that far. But I do have memories of when my mother was uh, playing for L.A., Sacramento, and when she was coaching for the Detroit Shop. What's that like, though, being surrounded by a bunch of female basketball players? You're asking a question from a person that wasn't surrounded by female basketball players. So as a person who was, I just thought that was normal. Do you ever play one-on-one -on -one with your mom? I used to when I was younger. I couldn't beat her until I was like 14. No way. Yeah. You have it just in your genes, right, this basketball. And there's a story that your mom, she was in her early 20s when she got pregnant with you. And she actually had an appointment because she wasn't sure if she was going to go through with the pregnancy. Your dad wasn't in the picture. And then she heard a pastor speak. And she canceled it. And then came you. What did she tell you about that decision and what she heard that day? Um, she just told me that it was God sent and heaven sent that I was supposed to be born. And she told me a story how I was like born with a basketball in my hand. But like it was like a ball in my hand when I was born. It was like, I don't know, the stuff that's in a woman's stomach when they're born, when the baby's born. But I was just like, yeah, okay. But it might be true. Or she might just be 
making it up to make it sound good, but that's my mother, I love her. Did that affect you at all, hearing that? That's uh, a pretty crazy story. It wasn't like, it wasn't like, I didn't hear it and it was like, oh man, I must be destined to play basketball. I didn't take it like that. I was just like, oh, that's a cool story. But now that I'm older, I'm like, wow, and I'm actually in the NBA, I'm actually doing great things in the NBA. It's kind of a cool story now. But when, it, when I heard it, no, it wasn't really interesting to me. What's the best piece of advice she's ever given you? She's always told me, like, it doesn't matter if you lose, win, fail, or whatever, as long as in the end of it, you were like, I tried my hardest, like I worked my hardest. I was in the gym, I was in the weight room, I was working my hardest, so you can't be mad at yourself at least. It was just wasn't meant to be. But if it happens and you worked hard, it's even more satisfying. You also try to stay really involved with your community. You're wearing the shirt for it right now. You're mm -hmm. from Flint, Michigan. Yeah. First of all, how crazy is it that they're still having a water crisis? Extremely, extremely crazy. And it's just crazy that the, the America's worried about other things right now when there's a, literally a city in Michigan that doesn't have access to clean water. Like, it's a third world country. Does that make you angry? Yeah, it does. So how did you kind of come about Jug Life and why was it so important to you? Um, so I started Jug Life uh, as basically just a hashtag trying to influence people to drink more water. Um, I think it's like 80, 80 something percent of people in America don't get enough water that they actually need every day. And uh, obviously Flint, Michigan doesn't even have access to clean water. So that's even a crazy statistic if you think about it, just because we're in America, like the richest country in the world. Um, but I started just trying to get people to drink water, started posting on Instagram, me drinking a gallon a day, people started doing it back. And then my uh, my business partner, Kez Reed, his uncle uh, is a philanthropist, but he travels around the world and just does like missions. So he goes to the Philippines, helps out, blah, blah. So he was in Uganda and he contacted Kez and was like, there's opportunity to build water wells out here um, because they have no access to clean water. It was a, it was a couple schools, um, students who were HIV infected and they the villages weren't letting them come to their water source just because they were afraid, I guess. So we found that opportunity and we were like, this is a great opportunity to help. And then that's what started the foundation part of Jug Life and we've been doing it ever since. In the past two years, I actually got to go to Uganda and see the natural water sources that they were drinking out of, which were cloudy white with infections and things like that. They wash up in there, the animals use the bathroom in there, guys are cleaning their bikes in there, Like it's, and then kids come with 20 gallon jugs and fill it, fill up the dirty water and bring it to their villages, basically just spreading disease. So just being able to help out with that was definitely one of the best things I feel, feel like I've done. Including basketball? Including basketball. So the JaVale McGee that you are now is not always who you were when you first started in the league, basketball-wise. Uh, you struggled a bit in the beginning and the media criticized you quite a bit. How much did that affect you? Um. I feel like it didn't affect me at first. Uh, it just affected me. It started to affect me when GMs and NBA coaches started to believe the things that the media or even like social media was portraying me to be. So what was the worst thing that you were hearing that was said about you? Uh, I was hearing things like I'm dumb, um, a bad basketball player, low IQ, 
I'm an idiot. It's just it's a lot of things that. But I'm not the person that's like reading comments like, oh my god, I can't believe this because I really don't care. It's when a GM or owner of a team starts thinking that, and they're like, no, we don't want to sign them because that's now. Uh, affecting my livelihood and how I pay my bills and how I feed my family. So that's when I was just like, it's last straw. Like, I don't, because I'm not really the person who's going back on people on Twitter. Like, right. Because those are people I don't know and never will meet. So when you say it was the last straw, what'd you do? Um, I mean, it was definitely just low lights being shown to me on TV. Uh, but it had came to the point where I was like missing a layup. And I'm like, oh my goodness, this is on the show now. And I was just like, come on, man, everybody misses a layup, like a contested layup, like, come on, man. And I had to do what I had to do, and then it was canceled, and then I never was on a certain show again. You're talking about Shaq? Mm-hmm. Have you guys ever resolved that? No, but it's not really uh, something to resolve. I mean, he's in his own world, I'm in my own world, so it's not really a... And it's not really a beef, like when I see you, it's smoke type stuff, so no. Finally, Chris Broussard joins Nick and CeCe again to break down the Celtics' crucial win over the Warriors. Broussard, do you think the Lakers gave LeBron too much control when putting this team together now, this season? We've been season? saying this all year that, you know, LeBron, when they met with Magic, LeBron was talking about what he wanted to be surrounded by. First, I think we have to understand Magic. Magic had a lot of say with the Lakers. He was, had a really great relationship with the owner, Jerry Buss, to the point where some of his teammates were a little leery of it. Like, you they saw, thought he was too close. You're talking about Magic when he was a, a player. When he was a player. Correct. Yes. Yeah, yeah, had a great relationship. We know he got Paul Westhead fired There's his second year. There's a great story year. about that, is that when somebody very close to the late Jerry Buss came to him and said, man, we got a huge problem. Right. Magic, you got a huge <laughs> problem. Magic said he doesn't like the coach. And the late Jerry Buss said, well, that's not a big problem at all. Let's get rid of the coach. We'll fire, fire the coach. coach. Right. And they fired him the next day, day and gone. Pat Riley's there and showtime begins. But go yep, ahead. Yeah, but that that's magic, okay? So, And I think a superstar should have some say. So I don't mind sitting there listening to LeBron. And I get where LeBron was coming from, okay? We tried to outshoot the Warriors in Cleveland. We couldn't, okay? When we beat them in 2016... We had, and even challenged them pretty well in 2015 without Kyrie and Kevin Love. We, we had the tough, game up. right? We had tough, gritty defenders. We, like you said, we mucked it up. We we need some playmakers too. I want some other guys that mm -hmm. can make plays with me. So Magic should have taken that into consideration. And okay, we'll go get a few of those guys, but also get some shooting. Right. They're not mutually exclusive, and that's the thing he didn't do. I would have loved for them to keep Brooke, Brooke Lopez. Well, now that, know, that looks like a disaster. Oh, my decision. God. Can you imagine how good? I mean, they tried to get Brooke Lopez light in Mascala, and he's really light. I mean, you we, know, saw, but. we saw Channing Fry and the last eight legs of his career yep. be good with LeBron, a stretch five. Brooke Lopez this year, now he wasn't as good of a shooter last year as, it, what, as he is this year. Really good. This year with Milwaukee, it's opened up something entirely. And Brooke Lopez was cheap. Right. It was three and a half million bucks. It, here's, here's the thing. I, we, to be fair on all sides of it, I clearly had underestimated how much influence LeBron had on the roster. Because I had been told very specifically, and I still believe, and I, and I almost know it to be true, LeBron did not present them, here are the names to no, go get. No, but what no. he did say, has, has now been reported re repeatedly by you, Ramona Shovel, and others, is the archetype of player. 
They then came up with a list of guys they think they could get that fit that archetype, and LeBron signed off. And there was only so many guys available, too. But that's the other element. Yeah, it wasn't CD, like right? the, it was a great list. Right, right. It was like a that ton you of can get cheaply there. on one-year right. deals. This Laker team would look very different if they weren't adamant about keeping max cap space. But I was against them trading for Bradley Beal during the season. He's an excellent player because it would have prevented them from having maximum cap space this summer. So when you are building a team that is not really for this year, it's to keep flexibility for next year, there are going to be some limitations. They still, everyone could have done a better job. And you could have recognized that, like, Beasley isn't a playmaker. He's not even. Right. Right. I don't are, know why they picked up Beasley. Right. Uh, it, everyone could have done a better job. The only thing that's really should be at dispute here is the choice of words. Did they give LeBron too much control? Because I believe that's the wrong word. They asked LeBron. They made suggestions to LeBron's as far as what do you think? As long as you've been playing in this league. Matter of fact, we haven't been to the playoffs in five years. Right. So, I mean, what we're doing, it was like Nick Saban. He told me. When he got hired at the University of Alabama, he talked to the president, and the president told him what kind of football team he wanted on the, on the field. And Nick Saban said, I was, I was more than cordial. I allowed him to explain to me what kind of team he wanted. And then I went on to tell him that I was making all the decisions, and the type of team that he had won had gotten smashed. <laughs> and they had taken the role out of the tide. He had planned on bringing the role back to the tide. So... In doing that, I can understand. He's been to eight straight finals. Why wouldn't you ask him? Right. Um, if I'm sitting outside and on, on, on your front, on, 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 in the, on the street, waiting for free agency, sitting in my car, what do you think? Once LeBron agrees to come, what else are you going to talk to him about? Hey, man, what style you want to play? Right. I mean, what, what else are you going to talk about? What kind of players, man? What kind of, who do you like, man? Who do you think is underrated? Who are you familiar with? Who are you comfortable with? And the list that was presented to him was not a great list. So any superstar, we have seen it through the history of time. They always get blamed. If the coach gets fired, they get part of the blame. That's all part of being a superstar in the NBA. But I believe that they went about it the right way. They were just magic wasn't right. And LeBron wasn't right. But also, LeBron hasn't been the best at evaluating talent, <clears> seemingly. <throat> and he, he wanted Dwayne Wade there because they were friends. It didn't quite work out. We, we heard the rumors that he wanted Carmelo Anthony. That really wasn't going to work out. He doesn't have the best judgment in evaluating talent, whether he even should have playmakers or shooters. Chris Broussard, I want you to make a list of guys who have been exceptional at the NBA. And they are good at talent evaluators. Because it's a small sheet of Jerry paper. West, Jerry West. That, 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 it might stop it. after I think that. it's him because Elgin Baylor was a trouble. GM for a long time, but he wasn't right. great at it. Right. I mean, if you Jordan hasn't been good at it. Magic hasn't been good at it. The, Kobe's not into the business, so we don't know. I listen, I listen to Shaq. Magic's Shaggy. early. I mean, it's one year, what, one or two years. So, so maybe it's not yeah, fair yet but, on Magic. But, but certainly Jordan and LeBron. But it is Jerry West, see. You're, I That's mean, that is. That, okay. that is of all-time great players. So for us to have those expectations from players. Now, we should be able to take the knowledge that they do have. Because I know through Shaquille O'Neal, when he was a teammate with LeBron, I was invited in Cleveland to, to a practice into a game. And I sat there in the stands. I was like, Shaq, give me some." He was like, man, man, the dude is savant, man. The dude is savant, man. Know everything, every play. Every man, i never seen nothing like in my life. I mean, that's from Shaquille O'Neal at a very... Young age. So, LeBron, we have to give him credit for who he is. Right. But in doing this and putting this team together, 
This it was limited who they could get, and, this and is, the players they got were not. They didn't. It just didn't work out. And this is a theme across sports. Sometimes we we off the air when we're talking about people to potentially bring on the show. It's like very recently retired football players, and we it's usually people you know better than we know, right? Because either relationships with them, and more often than not, your responses on a lot of these guys, man, that what are they going to talk about? Because they don't know the league the way we think they would know the league. Like, guys that are contemporary players, even if you know what's going on in the league, the ability to evaluate who's good, who's not, versus who played well against you, versus who had moments you against you. look at it this mm -hmm. way as right. opposed to this right. way yeah. when you're in the league playing, and that's yes. your point. Which is why for the Lakers... And this is in the conversation I had yesterday with a Western Conference executive. His, no, not concerned, he's actually happy about this part of it, mm -hmm. is that the Lakers don't have the, what I would call, like the, the non-basketball smart guy. They don't have someone in the room in a real position of power that can say, all right, here's actually what the metrics say. Here's what, no matter what you think about Lance Stevenson's being an irritant and toughness, his team over the last few years has been worse with him on the court than off the court, except for this year in Indiana. Like, there, there's an element of Magic and Palenka kind of fit the same role. Like, Magic and Palenka are both the relationship side of the GM business, right? Like an agent and a player, but who's the guy that is scouting the next Luca? Who, you know what I mean? Right. Who's the guy that is figuring out what, okay, we don't have enough shooting. Like Ingram and Kuzma top out here at shooting, and we can get cheap shooting this way rather than that way. Let me say this quickly, too, because when LeBron, he's going to own the team. We know he's talked about that. He's not going to let a player run the organization, okay? And that's you, as much say as you mm, may give a superstar mm. player, mm. The player can't run the organization. LeBron won his two types, two of his three titles in Miami where Pat Riley had control. LeBron was a player. Now, I'll get some safe from LeBron, as you said, but there has to be a hierarchy, a defined hierarchy in just about every organization. Yes. So that's important, too, for the Lakers going forward. Thank you for listening to the Hoops on Fox podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a five-star review letting us know what you think of the show.